Hello, hello, this is Professor Dima Jamali, and welcome to the Sharjah Talks Business Podcast brought to you by University of Sharjah. Today, we have the pleasure to welcome a very special guest, a trendsetter, a wisdom provider, longtime CEO, and most recently, a real LinkedIn celebrity. So I'll make sure to ask him some questions about LinkedIn. Welcome to Sharjah. Mr. Hussain Wahbi, it's a pleasure to have you today. And uh, I want to start our podcast by asking you about a statement that you repeat. I've heard it several times. I've never went to work. I think this is really interesting. And I wonder if it reflects a mindset, a culture, a lifestyle, a perspective on life. What does it take? I mean, every one of us would like to wake up and feel we're not going to work today. We're going to have fun. We're going to enjoy. So tell us a little bit more about uh, I've never went to work. Uh, first of all, thank you, Professor Dima. It's my pleasure to be with you here. I never went to work uh, was more of an actual thing that happened with me. And it all started by a mindset. You know, when you go to work, the first thing you think is, Stress, pressure. I'm going somewhere to get paid to be under stress, which is not the situation. What really helped me to build this mindset is the corporate cultures that I worked in and the way I started my career in one of the companies whereby I worked for a long number of years. And the culture itself helped me to really never feel I'm going to work. I felt that I'm having fun and making money at the same time which means contributing to the corporate world and to the organization rather than being someone whom I considered myself as an employee who worked for someone. So I used to work with people rather than working for people. And this gradually started to grow with me, whereby I said, you know what? I never work for anyone. I work with everyone. When you think in this mindset and you have a strong personality that allows you to go to work in a positive mindset, because it's all about positive mindset, then you will start saying this gradually. I love it. I think this is by itself something to be inspired from and and learn from. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about leadership. You've been a long time CEO, but I've seen you in action and you really exhibit traits of leadership. And so what does it take to be a leader? Like, how would you define good leadership? And how is this something that is innate or is something that you can build over time? First thing I always say is leadership is never an authority. It is an inspiration. You have to inspire your people while leading them rather than uh, imposing your authority on them. Uh, This is the real base of leadership. For me, leadership is being yourself. You cannot fake leadership. You have to be yourself, an authentic leader, an empathetic and compassionate leader while being performance-driven. A leader without empathy and compassion will never succeed. You can be a toxic leader and performance-based. You'll be able to drive performance for a short period of time, but you will never have a sustainable performance future for the organization. So the first thing is not everybody is a leader. Everybody can be a manager. Everybody can be a boss. Everybody can hold any senior title. But leadership is a very, very special trait that doesn't exist in everybody. So by being yourself first, leading by example, walking the talk, this is how you set up your leadership skeleton, as I say. And you mentioned something really important that I want to emphasize that we teach in management, that leadership, you need to combine 
performance orientation, task orientation, and people orientation. It's the people who strike the balance uh, who can really hone true leadership. People are the real assets of any business, of any education institution, of anything that really uh, is there to make money or as a business. So in principle, definitely, if you are not people-centric as a leader, you're not a leader. You can be an executor, but never a leader. So people-centricity, customer-centricity, and performance-oriented. If you have those three, you are the best leader in the world. Amazing. Moving on to Plugmina. This is your new concept, something that you initiated, that you're passionate about, and you're dedicating a lot of time to empowering startups across the UAE and the MENA region through Plugmina. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, Plugmina is a beautiful concept which uh, I started to plan for a few years back, even when I was in corporate. Because as I always say, you have always to have a plan B. You have to have a plan B to go into your own when things go wrong in the corporate world. And you see today, uh, Dima, things are going down in big organizations. So I said, let me build my company, put it on the shelf, and when time comes, I will launch it. The concept is very simple. I used to work with a lot of consultancy firms, advisory firms, while I was in the corporate. I used to pay a lot of money, and they were doing a great job, but it was more of a theory concept. So it was more of studies, presentations, but the execution always bounces back to you as a client, which means you've paid a lot of money on theory without having the proper execution. So I said, if I ever go on my own, I need to really create my own business where I invest in my experience, knowledge, network, to not help businesses or startups or corporates in improving and changing, but also in executing what I preach. And by the way, a PowerPoint presentation, if I ever do it, it will be two slides. How you are today, how you should be in the future. It gets approved. I go and execute myself as a CEO on the ground. I plug myself, and that's why it's called Plug Mina. I plug myself in the organization and help them to execute the deliverables, which I promised them to do. So in principle, it's super exciting. It allows me to practice what I learned, to bring the best practices in a very impactful manner as a practical consultant or as a practical advisor. So it's an advisory um, concept. It's It's a boutique, practical boutique advisory firm. So when I say practical, it means I help you in doing things that are doable. I help you in doing things which I've learned in the the corporate uh, world for 20 years. So things that really create impact in the organization. Of course, it's all about positive impact. It can be change management, it can be transformation, it can be improving a certain process, it can be changing the mindset of people. A lot of things can fall under this, but in principle, uh, I'm there to improve things. And when I improve, I prove it by action and not only by theory. And this is a startup, which takes me to my questions around startups. I think that you've been around and you've you know, champion or been an advocate or a supporter and advisor for various startups, including your own, which is Plugmino. And the question is, what does it take? We see many startups fading and the failure rate is 80%, but we do see some startups also flourishing and thriving and succeeding. So what does it take to succeed in this world of startups and entrepreneurship? Uh, The startup world is not 
an easy thing. People think it's easy, it's really tough, but it's super exciting. Uh, many startups fail for different reasons. Uh, let's be realistic and be fair with the startups. Many of them fail because of fundraising issues, which is a big challenge in our region. Uh, many of them fail because uh, they come up with ideas or solutions that are not really very much needed. So they're, it's okay to copy, by the way. It's okay to copy a concept, but you have to make it better. So coming and saying, I want to do like that successful startup and compete with them, it may not work because your competitor is miles ahead of you and you will not be able to catch up quickly because in startups, the most important thing is traction. It's fast traction to show the investors that you're growing, you're generating revenue. Otherwise, they will pull the plug. And when they pull the plug, you will crash. As simple as that. Do something that you're passionate about. My startup is about my passion. You know what I sell? I sell my uh, knowledge, I sell my experience, and I sell my passion. So this is a very expensive material, which doesn't have a real value that you can monetize with a calculator. Be passionate about what you want to do. Create something which is filling a gap. Uh, create something which really tops up something which is really good today, but brings an additional layer of value. And I think you will never fail here. But going and just doing a startup because, oh, I want to do a startup in something I don't understand about, yes, you are set to fail. And how much time does it take for a startup? And how much time do we need to give it to say, okay, this is has promise, it can work, no. And what what would you advise? You know, what's advice if you have young students embarking on entrepreneurship? What advice would you give them? You need 27 hours out of the 24 for your startups. You have really to give full dedication to your startup because it's all about commitment and persistence. Otherwise, you will not make it. You need to invest in all your time, all your efforts, all your energy to build your startup. Uh, again, it starts with an idea. I always tell people, today you can decide to make a startup now at this moment. By just going and deciding what to do, you go to... Uh, one of those website uh, stores and buy a domain, create a name, a brand, which you feel attached to, and that's how I did Plugmina. And then design the logo, enjoy designing the logo. Then you have the website, you have the logo, you have the business idea, and you put it on the shelf ready to be launched. So by doing this today, you're 50% almost there by building your company. The next thing is, of course, you register a company and you start doing your uh, fieldwork. So give it all your time, 27 hours out of 24, passion, dedication, perseverance. Don't give up too quickly. Of course. Keep going. Of course. Networking and, you know, investing more in seeing it succeed. And every person you know in your life, every person you've met since you were born is a potential client of yours. And if not a client, a supporter. And if not a supporter, a connector. So you have to be very much having the confidence to go and knock the doors of people and tell them, I did my startup, I need your help in connecting me to people who want to work with me. It's okay. As we say in Arabic, to ask for help. I mean, by doing this, you will get overwhelmed. Today I have a problem, by the way. I have a problem not in getting business. I have a problem in organizing my lead list and see whom I need to approach before. So I have a big lead list, a lot of people who want to really support me, but I need to prioritize. So this is a positive dilemma. Leverage your network. And everybody in your network can, when you're embarking on entrepreneurship, can help you in one way or another. Definitely. This is the message. 
talking about uh, startups, I also want to ask you about the tech trends for startups in 2023. We see a hype around tech, everything tech, and this is very relevant for startups. Can you tell us a bit more about this? Uh, yes, tech is the name of the game those days when it comes to startups, when it comes to investor uh, interests. And I totally understand that because the world is transforming. We're, we're moving into the 2.0 version of the world. So technology is super important today. If you create any startup which has zero tech, I don't think it will work. Not because it's not good, because everything is riding the technology wave. But the most uh, loud type of startups today are the fintech. And this is okay for me, but it's not only about fintech. It's not about Web3. It's more about other industries and other solutions that we can bring into different uh, verticals. For example, the ed tech for the education, the health tech for the health healthcare sector. Uh, you have uh, the green tech, you know, for sustainability and everything, and so on. Logistics tech and everything. So in principle, if you don't have technology, you'll not be attractive for investors those days. They will not put any single penny. And technology is not expensive. Let's be realistic. Today, all those SaaS technologies uh, are becoming very affordable. It's all about creating the right tech for the right industry and solving a problem to accelerate transforming that specific industry and succeeding as a startup yourself. Beautiful. So uh, I think that This is really a nice kind of like roadmap for people who are embarking on startups. But you mentioned something that I want to go back to, which is green tech. And today we're in the year of sustainability. We're gearing up to COP28. There is a lot of hype around sustainability. And the question to you, there is a lot of funding also in the space of uh, sustainability, especially here in the UAE. Do you see a real window for social impact startups or sustainability-related startups that can have a ripple effect on the economy, on the environment, on society? Oh, yes. I have access to many of them. I work with many of them, either directly or through those startup accelerators and uh, national programs for a couple of great names. And those, uh, we call them the green tech startups, are changing the way we're saving our planet, changing the way we are uh, being a bit conservative and the way we pollute the world and as well in getting prepared for what's coming next. Uh, many of them are going into, let's say, the vertical farming, for example. Vertical farming today is super important because it allows you to grow, let's say, certain fruits and vegetables in the desert, whereby it goes in line with the national strategies that speak about food security, for example. So this allow you to be more sustainable in this area. Number two, you have those startups who, who utilize their technology to measure your carbon footprint and to allow you uh, to, uh, to work in the carbon credits area whereby you know where to invest in in order to really be sustainable as an organization. Because most of the organizations today is becoming a mandate for them to get into sustainability. And sustainability is never a PR thing. I never believe that. You need to go and do a press release about, we, we planted 50 trees. It's not about planting trees. It's about having a sustainable strategy, long-term one, for protecting uh, Mother Earth for the next generations. And by doing all those uh, big conferences, I think those conferences should always come up with 
deliverables and timelines. It's not about just speaking about what we need to do. We have to execute on the ground. That's why I always uh, advise investors to look into those green tech companies because the impact that they are doing on the economies and on the environment is massive. Without a proper, uh, uh, let's say, green uh, strategy, everything will fail. Because with more pollution, with more unsustainable economies, uh, businesses will collapse. As simple as that. It's all connected. So this is not just a hype. It is a trend that is here to stay. And what is your advice to business leaders, to like a new entrepreneurs? My advice to those CEOs who are very much money-oriented, investing in sustainability is not an expense. So don't you have to have a budget part of, a, of your revenue every year for sustainability, for CSR, for creating impact. Your business should create impact in the same way it's making money. You create impact in any region or any country that you're operating in. Make it a mandate, make it a mindset, and communicate this internally. Not everybody in the organization understands about sustainability and how to be sustainable. So as you just said, Professor Dima, it's not about hype, it's about action. It's about measuring that action. And by measuring that sustainable practices, this is where those startups come and help you and your carbon credits and everything else that allows you to know where are you spending your money and the ROI on that when it comes to environment how you are helping the environment by investing in some of your income to make the world a better place. Okay, beautiful. Which leads me to my next question relating to ESG. Today, this is another buzzword, you know, environmental, social governance, indicators. Do you believe in, like, this is going to have a future? Also, should leaders take the time, make an effort to get more familiar with ESG, ESG ratings, how to embed ESG in their organizations. Now there are lots of ESG consultancies that are booming. So what is your view on ESG and the future of ESG? I think ESG should be more pushed by governments today, and it should be part of every single corporation, at least the large ones today, whereby it comes embedded and every business activity, even while creating your own, uh, let's say you are a big organization coming to the region, to, to set up your business and open a license, you should also open your ESG plans and papers and show how you'll be able also to contribute in this, not you're coming to the region to make money only. If we do that, I don't believe in enforcing, I believe in encouraging, I believe in giving incentives to companies to embrace ESG and to work around this topic. But in case we fail to encourage, we have to enforce. Because again, it's not an option team anymore. It's not an option. It's a mandate and it's a, it's an individual responsibility for us as leaders. And it's a corporate responsibility for us as heads of organizations and decision makers and big corporates. Beautiful. I want to ask you one last question relating to LinkedIn. I know how active you are on LinkedIn. You are popular. You are almost a celebrity. Like people really follow you. I see your uh, posts going viral, some of them. And so, like, do you think that LinkedIn is important for our students or our faculty? Uh, how important it is in today's uh, environment? 
LinkedIn, but first of all, I'm not a celebrity. I never call myself neither a celebrity nor an influencer. I'm a LinkedIn contributor. I'm there to contribute. I'm there to be heard about topics that everybody wants to hear, but not everybody can speak about. In principle, definitely LinkedIn is the best platform today for me when it comes to everything. When it comes to students who want to start building their corporate profile and getting ready to go to the corporate world, it's great for existing people who are in the corporate world and they want to grow. They want to get business. They want to set up their own business. They want to build their personal brand. And it's a a must for every human being to build her or her personal brand to amplify the corporate brand. There's always a dilemma here. No, I let's say if I work for a corporate, am I allowed to be loud on LinkedIn on a personal level to build my personal brand? Of course you can. I was one of the CEOs who encourages my people to be loud on LinkedIn. Of course, we put some guidelines so that they won't fall into uh, uh, social mistakes that can reflect badly on the corporate brand because in the end you work for the corporate brand. But being loud and proud on personal level will help a lot the corporate brand your personal brand would complement your corporate brand. They are interconnected and vice versa. So I believe all leaders should encourage their people to be there because if you are known on LinkedIn, your corporate brand will be known much better. People will link your personal brand to your corporate brand. So I never see any problem in this. And I believe even all executives and CEOs should be on LinkedIn, should reflect the values of their organizations, should reflect the values of the brand should engage with people. This will attract a lot of businesses to work with them. And this is where success happens. And it's based on my personal experience, whereby today all my work is happening on LinkedIn. Yeah, you emphasized a really important point that, you know, when you build your personal brand or uh, you're also building the, the reputation and the brand of the organization. And I think sometimes... We miss this point or we think that these things are contradictory. Talking about uh, LinkedIn, I think that you mentioned something really important, that uh, it is an important tool, it's a professional tool. Uh, Even if you're a member of a large corporate, it can add value by bringing more visibility and enhancing the reputation of the corporate. And this is something that there are misconceptions around it at times. So... um, Going back to this, can you tell us specifically for students, we keep repeating to them, you know, have a profile on LinkedIn, be active on LinkedIn. This will allow us, you know, allow you to be visible vis-a-vis employers, but also will allow us to stay in touch with you as alumni of our organization. So um, do you agree with that? This point specifically in relation to current uh, students? Definitely. uh LinkedIn for students is a stepping stone to the corporate world. I believe every student today should create a LinkedIn profile. Um, maybe initially just to monitor and, and see what's going on in the corporate world, to learn the practical experience you get it from LinkedIn. Follow leaders, follow people who are creating impact, follow businesses, follow companies, see how they work, see how they communicate. And you can engage, of course, as a student today. And for me, students are the best talents that should be attracted to organizations. They are fresh, they're passionate, they have 
all the power to start from scratch and 10 times faster than someone who's been in the company for 20 years. They want to contribute, they want to learn, they want to add value. So create your profile, uh, engineer it in a nice way, a nice background picture, a small good brief about yourself and start engaging on topics. It starts by one follower and you will end up maybe by a lot in the future, but never never worry about the engagements, about the likes, about the commands, because this doesn't reflect anything. Being there on LinkedIn is building your social profile. Tomorrow, anybody as a student who wants to hire you, instead of asking you about your CV, they will go to your LinkedIn profile. You can share with them your LinkedIn profile. They will do the due diligence on you on LinkedIn. What are your values? What are you speaking about? What, are you, what posts are you engaging in? And never be negative. LinkedIn is not a place to be negative or attack people on their, on their topics. So I believe every student should have this as a must because this is their gateway to, to the real corporate world. Millions of people are active on LinkedIn every day. Every decision maker is on LinkedIn. Some of them are silent, but they are there and they are monitoring and watching. I'm not talking about the bosses who are watching their people because I'm against that. But they exist. They exist, and let's let's speak, that's human nature. It's jealousy. Nobody should stop an employee from being visible. In fact, I would be very proud to see my employees being uh, acknowledged and recognized publicly. I would go and say, these are my people. I'm proud of them. But if I'm jealous from them, I'm not loud, I'm antisocial, and apparently I will stop them just because I'm jealous from them. And this is a very clear formula. So insecure leaders would not appreciate uh, visibility on LinkedIn, but secure leaders would really encourage it and appreciate. Very nice insights, especially in relation to our students and their LinkedIn, because you're reiterating a point that we're making over and over again, how important it is nowadays to have a LinkedIn profile and to be active in that space. Last but not least, your advice for young students, graduates now, who are taking the first step embarking on their careers, what would you tell them? If you ask me 10 years back, I could have told them uh, work anywhere. But today, uh, the corporate world is changing. You have many industries which are almost fading out and being disrupted. So when you want to choose what's next for you, what to do, you have two options. Either you go and get employed, and a big organization, which I always encourage as a start, get some knowledge and experience, while at the same time, today it's the era of entrepreneurship. So have always in your mind that I want to go to a corporate, learn, contribute, add value, of course, uh, as the first stepping stone towards maybe going later into my own business and creating something, an impactful startup, which I can lead and run. So the question is, do you want to really work under people or you want to work on your own? I always say balance, but choose the trends that are happening. Look at the industries that are flourishing and growing now and try to stay away from the industries that will be, uh, let's say, uh, fading away or they will not exist in 10 years from now. And if I tell you only tech, I'll be unfair. People are running only after tech. Tech is part of it, the tech industries, but focus on something you're passionate about something you love to do. And then you will end up by being like me. You will never go to work in the morning if you choose a job which is really uh, very close to your heart. 
Beautiful. Can we break it down? So if we are going to give advice to students who are going to regular employment, they will be employed. What kind of advice should we give there? And if we want to give advice to students who are graduating and they want to take the first step in the entrepreneurship world, uh, maybe slightly nuanced advice if we can. Yeah, if you want to go to the corporate world, very important when you join an organization, never let the company see you as a as a f- fresh person, as, as they say, because I believe you can be a plug and play for day one if there are any programs that will prepare you before you go to the job. So from day one, start performing. And one thing I want to tell the students, nobody will teach you everything. When you enter a, a company, you have to be hungry to learn yourself. You go and ask questions. You try to really uh, grab the knowledge from people and then start contributing from day one. This will put you on a very accelerated path to grow in the organization. Unfortunately, some companies uh, take fresh graduates to to make presentations, to uh, photocopy papers. I've seen that. And this is wrong. A student, their parents have spent maybe millions of their lives on them not to go and work admin things. The students should be put from day one in the nucleus of the company where they can learn quickly and scale and grow. So challenge them. Uh, and they are always open for a challenge. When you want to go to entrepreneurship, maybe sometimes it's tough as a fresh graduate to go into entrepreneurship. Unless you have a proper funding, it can be family funding, it can be somebody big who wants to invest in you, but you will not be able to make it if you don't have proper mentors and advisors who will help you from day one. If you want to do it on your own and you have the financial capability and you can take risks because you have to take risks. Entrepreneurship is all about taking risks. Do it but have strong mentors around you, have a strong advisory board who will help you in that. And I wish to see governments around the world creating programs through free zones that will offer students from day one when they graduate a license to open a business, a mentorship platform for people to help them and a proper funding to scale them and grow. This was extremely uh, useful, insightful and you know, very enriching episode. Thank you so much for the meaningful insights and takeaways. I'm sure that this is going to be appreciated by our listeners. I tell our listeners, thank you so much, uh, especially the returning listeners. uh, And stay tuned for more to come in the Sharjah Talks business podcast. It's been a pleasure uh, to have you with us this morning. Uh, thank you for sharing your experience, your passion. You resonate with passion. And I, I do believe this has been like a very, very nice episode. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And it was my pleasure, Professor. Professor.